it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stromash, the Scottish NFL podcast. This is episode 224 as the Super Bowl is done and dusted. The Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have lifted the 57th Super Bowl. We are going to look back at all of that and pick up on some of your talking points to see what we've got to say now that the dust has settled on things. To do it with me, I'm joined by Gordon McGuinness and... Ian Steven. Ian, we have to come to you first. Are you doing okay, buddy? I think I would like to start by congratulating the Kansas City Chiefs on an excellent victory in the Super Bowl. Uh, they displayed themselves to be a class organisation, well coached with very sporting players and their fans have conducted themselves pretty admirably um, in their success. Um, they've even uh, been donating quite a lot, quite heavily to the Jason Kelsey uh, charity as a thank you for the Kelsey brothers being kind of part of that Super Bowl uh, success, uh, other than TikTok boy Juju Schuster. But I don't think there's anything you can do about him. So uh, <laughs> very, very warm congratulations to the Chiefs. Um, on a personal level, it's, it's it's difficult when you invest so much emotionally into such a big game. You you don't get there every single year. It's not like um, you're an old firm team in the Scottish Cup final. It's um, some people that listen to this podcast will have never seen the team play in the Super Bowl. They've never had to wake up on the Monday morning and remember what happened the night before and relive the trauma. Um, the, the the thing is, is at a point like this where you, you determine who your friends really are because your friends know when you've lost um, in a Super Bowl and they know how much it means to you. They'll reach out. They'll find out how you're doing. They'll tell you your team played well, not to worry about it. Um and, and they'll generally lift you up and show you just what the spirit of humanity is all about. Of course, other people who claim they are your friends, don't can't, con- they don't contact you at all. <laughs> those people now are dead to me. And I claim that those people, their mothers, are whores. Not even those lovely whores in the 1920s from France in the Moulin Rouge that were supping champagne as they tended to your needs. No, I mean whores from Castle Milk in 1980. That's how bad they are. Oh, I'm glad we're ending the season with one of tangents. <laughs> I'm really glad. Um, this is this is why he won the award for the listener's favourite. <laughs> I don't even know if he knows that he won the award for the listener's favourite. It depends <laughs> if he listened back to that podcast or um, how many of us are in that category that didn't reach out. I feel like you need to give your friends a few days to process it before you truly reach out. I think that reaching out too early can result in... Um, it coming across as smugness or pandering. So I, I genuinely think three to four days in between the defeats, um, it's nice to get together uh, as a group and just have a blether about things and see how things are. Thus, at the top of this, we did ask how you were. You've got a window of two hours to make sure that your friend isn't about to do something incredibly dramatic, perhaps even renouncing their love for the NFL altogether, because everybody I... knows as soon as you say something, as soon as you tweet it out, then you can never go back, right, Cameron? Well, this is this is it. You can never go back. Yes. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't actually have that much sympathy for you for the same reason 
that I don't think anyone should have much sympathy for me anytime the Ravens lose a playoff game or if they get to and lose a Super Bowl. Because both of us have seen our teams win one. And I don't know about you, maybe maybe we're different. Like I, I definitely find that has helped take the sting out of late season losses for me. The fact that I've seen them win a couple. Your mother's still a whore. <laughs> um, so the Super Bowl itself, let's start first of all with the headlines here. It was an absolute firecracker. We were served up a butte. That's two Super Bowls in a row that the Eagles have been in that have been sensational to watch as a neutral. Thrilling, right down to the wire. No, um, no not right down to the wire. Well, not right down to the wire. Let's, this, let's, to the let's wire. open. We, we need to talk the, about that at the start. Yeah, this was the biggest slap in the face to the NFL, the final two minutes of this Super Bowl, because for 58 minutes, it was enthralling. It was drama. It was Hollywood. It was everything that advertisers could dream of to get their products highlighted in the biggest possible stage. And then the final two minutes descended into a farce, completely and utterly against the spirit of the game. And there's no... I'm not um, slating the... Chiefs, uh, I'll be slating the Eagles um, as well in this concept of you have a team who are deliberately not trying to score while the other team are deliberately trying to let them score. And no other sport does such a, a connotation exist. The first thing the NFL should be doing is trying to find a way to stamp that out because it is completely and utterly ridiculous, especially if they're trying to induce people from a betting fraternity into watching the NFL. Imagine you had a point spread on and if, if the Chiefs had scored that, you would have made the spread and won a thousand dollars and you deliberately see them taking a knee at the one yard line. You'd be Doing your absolute no, it's good. That is completely and utterly against sporting integrity, and it needs to be fixed. I do not uh, think that'll ever happen for the simple reason of player safety. Just for the simple reason that it's just a play whereby there's less impact. They're not gonna. They're not gonna say, "Oh, you actually have to," because what it would mean is it doesn't just mean running another play. Uh, also, you know, they could just take knees if they really wanted to at that point. Like, I know obviously you'd got the first down on those, but you just set yourself up for, like, I don't understand, I don't really get how you can tell someone that it's a penalty if they. Oh, no, you don't. It's, re- it's retrospective. It's against, you would have the league punish them for um, uh, being against the ethos of the, the game and you would have a draft pick withdrawn. The, the Eagles decided to play. Um, their third string quarterback in and Doug they were Peterson's right to do game. so. It's a big reason why they were in that game. Yeah, but 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 what I'm saying is the furor that that was that came from the Eagles doing something that was perfectly legitimate within the the rules of the game. But some people felt it wasn't morally so, right. Some people, some people that are on this podcast, by the way. I still think it wasn't the right decision for winning the game, which is what it was claimed to be. I didn't have an issue with what was done. It was more the fact that they claimed that it was in the intentions to win, which was a nonsense. No, Doug Peterson came out and said, I always promised um, the third string quarterback he would play. And Doug Peterson was a backup quarterback. You could tell immediately he was going to let him play. He hadn't played all season. Um, Here's what I'll say about the end of that game. Twitter was full of, immediately after the penalty was called, Everyone was full of, uh, this is a disgrace, the NFL officials, blah, 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 blah. The best way for that game, the just way for that game to have ended would have been no flag called on that play, the Chiefs kick a field goal, and the Eagles try to go down the field but fail, and the Chiefs win. And it would have been like, oh, okay, that's good. 
the issue with the penalty is that those those types of plays do happen a lot. That being said, he pulls the jersey. Like the second angle you see on the TV copy, I was like, okay, like people can't really complain about like people will complain about this, but it's like it's like a soft penalty in football when you know your arm's in an awkward position and it's a handball and it's like it's harsh. I wish they wouldn't call it. Like I wish the official hadn't seen it. Because the, the, the thing is, Bradbury came out himself and said, I pulled the jersey. It's, yeah. it's on me. It's my, yeah. my fault. He, he made a gamble at that point. He felt that it might have been an, a kind of contact that he could get away with. The frustration for fans of the NFL, for the Eagles fans in that particular play, the, the, the NFL tried to show a slow motion replay where you could see uh, Bradbury tugging the, the jersey but in that slow motion replay there was an Eagles lineman I think it was Orlando Pace with his uh, hands to the face of Josh Sweat up in the face mask it was oh, double... Orlando Brown yeah, yeah. Orlando Brown sorry yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Orlando Pace that would have been interesting <laughs> what are you doing here <laughs> Did you retire? <laughs> that wouldn't even a flag on the plane, right? <laughs> are you are you eligible? Yeah. Uh, but um, the, the, in trying to prove that it was a penalty, they also just highlighted the fact that they were incompetent and didn't notice another penalty. The Eagles had two instances uh, in the game where there were clearly there was clear pass interference. One of them being the Quez Watkins. Uh, attempted catch at the end of the first half where the Eagles looked like they were about to march the, the ball in for a touchdown and you can understand that um, officials are human, they miss things, it was just the timing of that call yeah. where the drama had been set up, but well, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan you will be doing your absolute nut, because in the, the game against the Chiefs, all the Chiefs did was hold the entire game well, and it didn't the, get called The other thing was, so it's the second Super Bowl in a row, and it wasn't quite the same situation, but it was a little bit, like the Saints were able to bleed the clock there at the end on a penalty on Logan Wilson on a hold. And again, it was a hold, but it was one of those ones that if it if it wasn't called, there probably would have been less complaints if the Bradbury hold hadn't been called versus if it had, purely because it's one of those ones that's easy enough to say, okay, I get why the official didn't see that because it was quick. It's just ultimately he did he did hold him and it you give well, the official a decision, and one I, other I, thing, one other thing that was very curious was um, when Sky Moore scored the final touchdown for the Chiefs. There was a big thing being made today about how the Chiefs were all joking. Oh, we were in the wrong formation. We still called it, and we actually still scored. But what they aren't talking about was Andy Reid was calling timeout before the play, <laughs> that, before the play that, took place. That definitely, that definitely has happened in the NFL before, whereby like they they just don't notice the official call. So there's two things that happened, right? Well, well it, uh, I mean, it, the Eagles could the Eagles challenge it? I think they could have. I think the Eagles could have challenged if, it. Said yeah, they, if, they, they, if they'd seen it, you can challenge yeah, that. I think, but. It's also the fact that um, even if the Chiefs didn't have the timeouts, and that's why they said, "Well, you can't, you don't have timeout." Still, apparently, you can't call a timeout if you don't have timeouts. So that should never have. The problem was still scored anyway. I mean, they were cutting through the Eagles' defense like a, a hot knife through butter. Um, I'm, but it's still um, slightly frustrating. There's no. See, be honest. If you were the 
Seattle Seahawks fan in that game against the Patriots where you thought you're about to score and there's an interception and goes the other way. You'd be gutted and you'd be remonstrations. And I think the Eagles fans are quite proud about how the way their team played. Frustrated in the second half in defence, but I think they realised that the excellence of Andy Reid and his coaching staff and how talented Mahomes is, it, I don't think there's any um, real anger. I think it's more determination of regrouping and can we do this again next season? You know, the, the tough thing for the Eagles as well is that I I sent a text to a couple of the guys I work with at halftime of that game to say it's quite funny to think that Jalen Hurts has one of the most calamitous calamitous plays in Super Bowl history, but at halftime of this game, he's comfortably the MVP. Jalen Hurts was, I, I think... I don't he was incredible. He was I, incredible. Need, I would need to look this up, but I think he is the highest-graded quarterback PFF has ever had in a Super Bowl from that yes. game. Yes, and, and this, and we've actually so like PFF normally goes back to two thousand and six, but we graded every Super Bowl back to two thousand and one, so we could get like all the Brady Super Bowls in. So it's like twenty two years of Super Bowls, forty four quarterbacks, and it was the it was the best performance. He was he was brilliant and let down a couple of times. Let down a couple of times by receivers is harsh because there were some tough catches. I think the Devonta Smith one down the right sideline stuff was tough, but he was brilliant. The, every single pass was literally within a, a four square inch window where it, it had to be. It was there was after his initial season in the NFL, people were coming out saying the guy's a joke, he can't play. What have the Eagles done? They've upset their Carson Wentz, and now he's just made a whole host of uh, analysts like a, a bunch of country bumpkins yep. that have one tooth and can barely read. He, or he it's, it's fifers, as we call them in, in Scotland. <laughs> he got better every season in college. Um, and you can throw out the you can throw out the year he basically didn't play, but that year was the, the year he basically didn't play was the year he came on and rescued Alabama in the SEC championship game or the national championship, one of the two. He comes on and rescues them in that game to help them win the game. Got better every single year in college, and now in the NFL, he's got better every single season. So it's. I do think you should probably look at quarterbacks in the NFL as Mahomes is in his own tier just because there's things he does that I don't think anyone else can do. He's this era, because people use generation incorrectly a lot of the time, he's this era's Brady, I think, for like very different reasons. He's a completely different quarterback. But like for, for a fan of a team in the AFC, when I'm looking at it and I'm like, Okay, the goal is get to the playoffs and hope get to the playoffs. Try and win the AFC North every single season, and if we win the AFC North five times in the next ten years, maybe one of those five years we'll get lucky against Mahomes or not have to play Mahomes. Someone else beats them, and See, the, I, the, the irony is, though, Gordon, for you eulogising um, Mahomes. If that might be the wrong word, because he's still alive, but. Um, for, you, for all the superlatives you've thrown at him, his actual statistical performance in the Super Bowl harks back to Robert Roger Staubach in like 1967. 188 yards passing and they give him the MVP. No way should he have got the MVP. It should have been his and it should have been his interior lineman that got the, the MVP award because um, they completely and utterly stymied the Eagles 
pass rush in the centre. Bo- both offensive lines were really, really good. I, I didn't. No, no, few... no, 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 no. Both offensive lines weren't really, really, really good. The interior offensive lines okay. were very, very good. <laughs> we need to get to another point. The the NFL decided before the game to boast, boast, I say, by placing on social media pictures of a 90-year-old man. A 90-year-old man? Oh, <laughs> I wonder who it is. Is it Pat Summerall? No. The person who's responsible for tending the field in the Super Bowl. They asked for an incontinent 90-year-old man <laughs> to tend the most important field for the NFL season, and he elected to make what the players described as a slip-and-slide. Completely and utterly negating the biggest strength on the Eagles team, Josh Sweat and Sam Riddick could not turn the corner at all, not because of the the Chiefs' offensive linemen, because as soon as they planted their foot, they fell to the ground. Half the game, they had a, a, a Chiefs lineman on top of them, humping away like a pet dog in heat. It was nothing to do with how talented the, the lines were. The, the, and people say, well... The, Two, two teams played in the same field, yes. But the, the defensive line for the Chiefs wasn't set up the same way the Eagles was. No, they're... The Eagles, Eagles are coming out of wide nine stance. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, the two... They've maybe got the two most flexible um, edge rushers, maybe maybe with the exception of Beaker Parsons. They, they might have the three. They might have the three if you yeah. give Brandon Graham the credits. What I thought was really funny about that, though, in that tweet, uh, it talked about how... So they get this field in, it's been growing for two years... And then for the past two weeks, what happens every morning is it rolls out into the sun, it gets some nice little sun, it gets a wee sunbathe, and then they roll it back in, and then that's it. That turf got more uh, vacation time the two weeks before the Super Bowl than the average American. That has probably set back American workers' rights 30 years just by how <laughs> bad that performance was in the Super Bowl. But there was there were Apparently there was a good reason for it, though, that they've just not thought about, is that in the desert, uh, the climate obviously at night it cools down and that creates moisture and stuff. And I will say this: from I wasn't at the game obviously, but from the week in Arizona, my hands are still dry. The desert heat wasn't even hot, but like it was just dry as anything. I found my nose really dry the whole time. My hands are like scaly on the back, but at night it was really cold. So apparently that's why it. What was what's absolutely astonishing is this was Super Bowl Fifty Seven. All but eleven Super Bowls, the Eagles would have either won or tied with the thirty-five points that they scored. Yeah. Um, it would have been twelve, but it means they would have had to beat themselves when they scored forty-one <laughs> points, which I don't think was possible. But it was ridiculous to get such a high-scoring Super Bowl that was so tight. And you go back and look, and actually some of the some of the eighties and nineties games that were horrible, there were massive blowouts, like Fort Niners blowing out the Broncos and the Chargers and the 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 Bills Cowboys. We were actually really lucky that we had a Super Bowl that was that close with such talented offensive weapons on the field. Only 25 times in the history of the NFL have we had a final score of 38-35. Funny that the Eagles started the season with one and ended the season with one. Obviously beat the Lions week one 38-35 and then were on the wrong end of it come the Super Bowl. 
Um, you go back and there's there's not been a huge amount of times it's happened. It's happened more recently as the game's got a little bit... It's happened a few times more recently as the game's opened up a little bit more. Uh, coming back to the field piece, it, is that part of the reason do you think that Miles Sanders didn't see as much action? I, was, I think that was the biggest surprise. Like He obviously fumbled early on, but he fumbled out of bounds, so that was fine. He kind of got away with it. And then he just wasn't used at any point. I think there's an injury. He wasn't really used in the, the playoffs. It was... Kenny Gainwell that was the go-to guy. So I, I think there was something there that we don't know about as a reason why. Um, unless he's just done something completely stupid and just incurred the wrath of his coaches. But he's about to be a free agent. Of course he wants I, to I get would, the ball 30 times in the Super Bowl to bump his value up. I was going to say, would you would you bring him back? Or would you just not? No. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no point. Um, I'm, I'm hoping we get Ezekiel Elliott um, just to laugh at. Cowboys fans, we won't, <laughs> I mean, we won't do that. We won't do that. Um, Elliot's probably worth like a veteran minimum contract at this point, based on the way he's played over the last couple of years. Yeah, Coming back that, to your sorry, yeah, I, 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 the Eagles go unless the Eagles will pick up somebody in the fifth round and they'll go with Kenny Gainwell. Probably, I, he, there's other positions. Eagles have got seventeen internal free agents. Uh, they need to look at signing. So those priorities way above Miles Sanders. How big a blow do you think it was for the Eagles? Obviously, Hertz is running out of his rookie contract. Has he got? Is this the last more, year? Has he got one, one more year one to more go? Year. One, one more year. So it's next year. It there's a lot of big players about to hit the free agency uh, and coming out of contract. Is this a time where the Eagles can maintain, um, or do you think the do you think it was all in on this one? I mean, if you lose Jalen Hurts, who are you going to turn to? You're going to pick up some bum like Lamar Jackson? I don't think so. You're going to go with the guy's MVP, MVP How, candidate. Howie Roseman might pick someone at ten. Do you know? I was actually I was going to make that point towards more of the draft specials. If Anthony Richardson is sitting there at ten, take him. Just he might. take him. Do, do, do the do the Hurts do the Hurts Wentz thing again? He needs like, two. It needs two years at least. I mean, the worst case scenario is you have the two best, two of the top quarterbacks for your offense in the NFL. Hurts got injured this season. And uh, you, you saw towards the end of the game when he tried his Hail Mary, it was terrible. I think his shoulder was was done. Patrick Mahomes was injured this season. It was a miracle and also a heck of a lot of heroin injected into his system. Let's be honest. It wasn't even, it's not like opium, it was herium. He was like freebasing and stuff. They were lighting a spoon at half time. That's why they needed half an hour. They were lighting a spoon at half time and getting some foil for him. That's I the only way he got through the second half. I, I did have a thought just at the start of the second half. I wonder how much of a difference the extended halftime because of the um, halftime show helped him out in the sense that it allowed him to Get pain relief because he definitely got pain relief. I'm pretty sure. See if you see if you speak to the players, they'll tell you conventionally at halftime. It's not what they try and make out when they sit down and everyone goes right. We need to look at this. We need to look at this. There's a few people will shout at each other. They'll get a drink of something and they'll go back out. They don't make adjustments. The adjustments are made when they're on the sideline, when they're sitting with the tablets, when the teams are driving. But when you've got I mean, this, this is the question that needs to be asked. Is Andy Reid now in the, the pantheon of top five yes. NFL coaches? Does he does top. he break that, that order? Top top two. Oh, I, that's, I mean, it's tough. I mean, there's some good, some really good, good Lombardi. So, you, so, I don't know if you, I don't okay, know if you can say Okay, so let's talk mod, modern era, though. 
So no, no, let's not talk modern era. Let's go back to the 1920s with George Hallis. No, stop because just it's trying it's to a, so it's stop a trying a to wipe out history, Gordon. <laughs> it's a different game. So here, here's a question for you, though. <laughs> you would refuse them barting their league championship because it happened in 1891. Yes, uh, I would refuse them barting the league championship because they could have the single greatest outlook in a stadium in the world, and they did it the flip, wrong way. They flip it the other way around, which is the most. Anyway, random tangent. Uh, Bill Belichick or Andy Reid? Because if you take away Tom Brady, you can make a case. If you take away Patrick Mahomes, though, like, okay, okay. that goes hand in hand. But but Reid was great with the um, Eagles as well. Did he win a Super Bowl? But Don Shula was so good as well. No, he lost lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Bill Walsh was so good and... Yeah, yeah. Top, top five, but but then you've got Paul Brown so good as well, and I, I, perhaps a pod for the off season because we've got plenty to chat about. Oh no, um, just be Charles saying it's Vince Lombardi, and then that's it. <laughs> um, other than the penalty at the end, what were the pivot top pivotal moments in that Super Bowl for you guys? The fumble. The the Eagles probably score on that drive. And at that point, assuming they get a first down instead of fumbling the ball. And at that point, I don't know that the Chiefs would have been able to come back. It would have been enough of a cushion that the Eagles would have been able to kind of like take the air out of the ball a lot of the time. Uh, that, that game was close to getting out of hand at that point. And that fumble just brought them all the way back in. It's not. It's one of the wildest plays, though. I watched it a couple of times on Monday morning. So he's trying to avoid uh, Nick Bolton, who's coming through on the run blitz because it's a quarterback draw, and he just drops the ball. But then, in trying to like reach for it, he stretches his leg and it bounces off his foot, and it bounces ten yards the other way. But in bouncing, it bounces up to the point that Nick Bolton just has to kind of reach down instead of like diving on it to pick it up. And he can just run straight. Like the actual dropping of the ball was really bad by Jalen Hurts. Everything that followed was this tremendous cascade of really bad luck. Like it's the, uh, what is it? Uh, Newton's first law. Everything that can go wrong. What is that Newton's first law? First of all, everything that can go wrong will go wrong, whatever that one is. That's the that's thing that's law. Aberdeen Football Club's first law. <laughs> I think, um, well, to, to Gordon's point, I think it's actually the play before that was the, the turning point because the, the Eagles were third and short and Isaac Samalo had a false start and it yep. put Eagles into long and that's when Hurts kind of uh, dropped it. It's those fine, fine margins in an NFL football game and it's the best coach teams that win the championships. It's as simple as that and Samalo made a mistake. He didn't need to. Here's the one thing about the Eagles losing that game that I think they'll probably feel like it was a missed opportunity. Is not obviously it was a missed opportunity, but they'll feel that getting back next year will be harder. I would be stunned if the NFL don't remove the rule whereby that like the Eagles quarterback sneak push. That's getting eliminated. If it's not this off season, it'll be next off season. But I'm pretty confident it'll be this off season. They're not going. So how how do they eliminate it? They just tell you can't push push somebody from the back. Techni- technically, in the rule book just now, I, I actually don't think it's technically legal, but whatever way the referees decided, no, it's not something that's an emphasis or a call. So, is this going to just like become an emphasis on it like they did with ta- it, uh, taunting? Whatever one, yeah, it'll be an yeah. emphasis or it'll be not. And it's, and do you know what? 
I want to stand up now against that. I think it, there there is a part of this sport whereby big on big, there's a yard to go, just stop someone. Just the, the Eagles, okay, yes, they're pushing, that's fine. You've got a defense there that can push. There could be a defensive version of it whereby you line up a defensive tackle at linebacker right behind another defensive tackle and they push each other and we get a nice big scrum at the goal line. D- do that. Don't eliminate the rule just because the Eagles are good at it. The weird thing is, though, is they're, they're asking a wee guy to push him. It's not as if they're bringing on another lineman and making the lineman stand behind. They're getting the wee guy to do it, and he's just not... It's just Jalen Hurts. The, the yeah. person pushed him is not... Yeah, Boston Scott. Boston Scott is not contributing to any of that forward motion. He really Boston isn't. Boston Scott has to reach up to try and get to his buttocks to push. Hurts is built so well for short yardage runs, though, because he's like... he's. He's not the tallest guy in the world. So a bit of a low center of gravity. Obviously not like Kyler Murray low center of gravity, but like he's built pretty thick as well. Like he he is built for those. You know, you look at the um, running quarterbacks around the NFL, and Josh Allen's like tall. Lamar Jackson's kind of a little bit on the skinny side. Jalen Hurts has that a little bit like Donovan McNabb was for the Eagles actually. Like and Steve McNair for it's the it's the camera runner it's the Cam Newton effect isn't it really yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's having a linebacker line up at, and that's that's where um that that's teams are going to look at Anthony Richardson and see yeah. his physical dimensions uh, and, and think to themselves wow we've got another Josh Allen Jalen Hurts Cam Newton here right, right now we're getting jumping way ahead but if i had to make a prediction mid february I think there's a better chance that Anthony Richardson Anthony Richardson's the first quarterback off the board than there is Bryce Young. Because in a couple of weeks at the combine, Bryce Young's going to get measured and he's probably going to come in at sub 5'10 and 180 pounds and all the stuff he's done in the NFL, teams are going to start to pick away at that. And you've got Stroud, Levis and Richardson who are all big physical quarterbacks. And I think whoever's trading up to one or if it's the Texans at two I just don't think they're going to take Bryce Young Yes um, indeed we will get into that a little bit more um, as photos have come out with him with certain ESPN hosts who have then had to claim that they were wearing four inch heels because she was about the same height as him so um, <clears throat> on the MVP conversation is there an argument uh, and is there an argument I think it's maybe weak but is there an argument that it shouldn't always be someone from the winning side? Where there's a case like Hertz, where he clearly was the standout performer in that game, the MVP of the season doesn't need to be the winner. So No, but... Man, does man of the match have to be on the winning team? Pretty much always is. I, I do think most... Who was man of the match in the World Cup final? I don't know. Was it Mbappe? It was, messy, it was Messi, was it not? I'm sure it was Messi. Those have been clamouring to give it to Messi. They probably gave it to Messi before Mbappe scored twice, actually, because they scored like... There was there was definitely pictures of um, players at the World Cup getting man of the match and looking utterly miserable in the photos that they got. There, there was, you're right. That's <laughs> because they had to get pictures of that stupid Turkish chef. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, Sorry, can I just say stupid chef has nothing to do with the fact he was Turkish. No, no but you were just, you're just identifying yeah. who so, it was. Yeah, so yeah, yes. you are. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, fine. Uh, we can move on from that well, one. The, the, the question is, isn't 
should it be from the losing team? It should be, should it be another position other than quarterback? And Disneyland are just, you know, they're champing at the bit to get Pat Mahomes in to, to do their promo stuff. They don't want a big fat lineman. I mean, that's terrible for publicity. He wouldn't even fit in the rides. But the, every <laughs> you've got, what, 45 players on an active roster. I, I think... I want to see a, I want to see a kicker's one at once, but I might be wrong in that. Um, I'm pretty sure Matt, Matt Barr kicked some field goals and made about eight or nine tackles in a, a Super Bowl, and I'm pretty sure people said he should have got it. Um, Listen, I think the people standing at the bottom of Splash Mountain, if a lineman is the guy that's going on that, are getting extra wet. Uh, we'd all love to see that. You'd be I, queuing to get soaked by a lineman. I'll be honest, though. I thought I thought Mahomes was the Chiefs' best player. I, like I know, I know the raw stats and stuff weren't amazing, but um, there's a lot of stuff he did in that game. A lot of the, there was the play when you talk about the um, the turf in the game, drops back to pass. He catches the snap, kind of almost at his hip. He drops back. He slips. He moves up, and all that stuff. And there's there's just stuff he does that's just no one else can do. And I don't think anyone else has ever done like to the level he does. It's like he. Like Brett Favre in the nineties and early two thousands, but just dialed up to eleven. All those like the kind of gunslinger things whereby he just creates all that extra stuff. And I, I think he did that again in this game. Randall used to do that for the Eagles. Randall was a a, a player who he had nowhere near the same level of talent or coaching that Mahomes had. He's one of those characters we always say, what if he actually had a an offensive line and a coach that cared about offense, but um Brent Tarkerton as well, actually. Tarkerton was was magic at times when he played. He made it to four four Super Bowls, I want to say. Yeah. Um, didn't win any of them though, I don't think. I, I loved Rand so Randall Cunningham was my first like full season as a Ravens fan. He was the guy who backed up Elvis Gerback, I think it was. Um was it the season after? Around about that time anyway. And he was like he was so much more fun to watch. Even even like in late thirties, I think he was at that point. We've got I am not only did have I suffered the heartache of Aberdeen losing to Darville and Philadelphia losing to the Kansas City Chiefs, but yesterday we lost the first minister as well. She resigned and <laughs> it it's important for this podcast because we actually have a a very kind of good friend of the podcast that could actually become first minister. And if we had a Raiders fan as first minister, then the first priority of business is not fixing the NHS or getting the teachers off strikes. It's trying to get an NFL game in Scotland. Absolutely. <laughs> and I know Cameron's not allowed to discuss betting in this podcast. Um, he says it's because of employer obligations, but I think his wife just gives him in a lot of trouble because the fact he's really crap at it. <laughs> but if we all went on to the same bookmaker and placed one pound, two pounds, ten pounds on a certain Gavin Dulans to become the next first minister, I'm pretty sure we're about four or five people betting he would be catapulted into the top five. That's that's the way like next manager odds work. If somebody sticks. 50 quid on something ridiculous like Neymar being the next movable manager, he will make it down to like five to one and people will be like, wait a minute, it's Neymar. I, can't. I hate to ruin this tremendous story, 
but he's missing a letter from his title that would allow him to become first minister. I know, because if is, he is was, there is there a way around this? There's a way around it. It just takes a SNP MSP to step away, right. and he becomes the top of the list, and he would replace them uh, immediately. So it's perfectly possible. I've so, and I've had an argument. Off, I've had an argument with a bookmaker about this. We're going off on a tangent somewhat here. So no, way. no, we're not. It's NFL related. We, it is. It is. It is from Ash podcast related. Yeah. But let's talk underdogs. Like it's a lovely tie into the underdog story because another thing that we need to discuss, uh, and I guess I'd like both of your opinions on this one, is there's been an awful lot of chat. Um, from the Chiefs, we've had it from Kelsey Mahomes, we've had it from Mahomes' wife, Brittany, um, bemoaning all the people, the naysayers, the doubters, that the Chiefs were written off early in the season as not having a chance of winning the Super Bowl, and they're delighted that they've stuck it to the, the people. Uh, did I completely miss that conversation and narrative? Because so- I... Can't remember them ever being written off. No. So my initial thought when I heard it was that's that's arguably the most bobaggery thing I've heard in my life. Chiefs <laughs> being underdogs. But then I did. There was a about, wobble at the beginning, right? There was a wee I, wobble. Not, wasn't not there? even then. Before the season, like not far from now, we're not far from a year from the point where the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson, the Raiders traded for Devontae Adams. Adams. And everyone loves the Chargers because everyone always preseason loves the Chargers. There were people out there, and I've seen tweets from NFL analysts saying, are the Chiefs now the fourth best team in the AFC West? And after the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill, there were an awful lot of people who said, oh, you're about to find out that it's actually not Mahomes. It's that offense and it's the playmakers he's got around him and all that stuff. And I know he's still had Travis Kelsey, but the rest of the receivers on that roster were not anything championship caliber, I don't think. So by the time they got to the playoffs and by the time we got probably halfway through the season, I think they were favorites to win the Super Bowl or at least close to it. Yeah. So and then not, the, not the, really the, the AFC's got the Bills, they've got the Bengals, Chargers, um, uh, uh, Surgeon Patriots, possibly the Dolphins at the start of the season looked like they were going to be excellent before to uh, suffered his 800 injuries that the Dolphins denied. It's a very, very tough conference for any team to come out of. The, the, the Eagles can feel maybe more confident than the Chiefs that they'll be back next season in, in the Super Bowl. Um, like injuries withstanding because I don't think there's as much and I don't want to sound arrogant but there's not as much to fear perhaps in the NFC no, but the conference the, is garbage in a lot of ways but the, the AFC, I mean, everybody thought the Bills were going to the Super Bowl, that was everybody's pick and I think most people felt the Chiefs would be in the conference game against them, so yeah, um, I think that's false victimhood on, on their part yeah, the, Bengals, I, the Bengals did the same thing a couple of weeks before though right, like no one thought we were going to win this game. I oh. think so that the Bengals were slightly written off more at the start of the season. Like the oh, Bengals. The so, yeah, I did. I did because I, I repeatedly said that if you lose the Super Bowl, you don't get anywhere near close to yeah. coming back. And it was never way around. It was for the Rams, they won the Super Bowl and then they were atrocious. Yeah. So. But no, the, where the Bengals became the whole like everyone counted us out was when they beat the Bills. And it was the whole. Oh, they were selling tickets for this game, despite the fact they were selling tickets for all three possibilities. Um, or two possible, whatever it was. So, 
that that's where they had their wobble of yes, no one no one believes but every sports team does that. Everyone. It's boring, though, right? Like, yes. this... including including Celtic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were written we off. Never, we never get any decisions after we win eighty yeah. percent of all titles available. <laughs> so we've discussed the game itself. Now let's talk about the auxiliary elements of the Super Bowl. We'll start first of all with the anthem. Um, all three I, I, of them. All three of them. I did I all to, three of them. I had, to, I had to prepare them because I was <laughs> I was working and um, I, I thought it will just be the national anthem. We'll get the lyrics together. We'll Google it. And I went, America the beautiful. No, that's WrestleMania. What's going on here? Then I, I wait, think the, 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 the Super Bowl's always done America the beautiful. Have they not? I don't, I don't I don't remember it. And I just associate it with WrestleMania and Vince McMahon because he loves the song. Yeah. And then there's there's also a um, African American anthem as well. Yep. Um, I'm like, my God, this is going to go on for... And of course, the Chiefs did their tribute to the Native Americans and a non-racist chant that they always do. Yeah, that was... When they get that in the bin, Kansas, you've yeah. won a Super Bowl. I didn't even see the African-American anthem because I don't think Sky showed it. No, I don't think uh, they did. I think no, they only they showed, no, they they only showed um, Star Spangled Banner, which I thought was actually quite good. Never had a country guy doing it before, a country person doing it before, and I thought it was all right. I was originally going to watch the coverage on Game Pass, but I have to admit the delay that I was getting on it was too long. And then you get the alerts through, and then it's like, well, that's just spoils the game. So you've got to watch it as live as you possibly can. So that's frustrating. I I think the Game Pass is coming under new, um, a new owner next season that's substantially better, hopefully. So maybe next year we can do it. But I want to see it's. It's no. the zone, is it? Yeah, it's DSS, yeah. Says, yeah. <laughs> On to the halftime show then. Uh, in fact, we did actually talk about the anthem and whether or not we enjoyed it. What did we think I, of the anthem? I know that Paul didn't, so Paul's not on the podcast, but I'll represent him by saying he did not think much of it. I I enjoyed it. I, I didn't think it was anything tremendous, but I thought it was enjoyable. It was fine. It was, yeah. Fine. Yeah, I, it was I, fine. I personally think it's the second worst anthem on the planet. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And I, the fact that he, they didn't elongate it for 10 minutes um, by quavering over every note, bastards get through it. On this, uh, some people, I'm not going to use the words to describe it, but some people for the Super Bowl, uh, they take these events that may or may not happen and they choose to place some money on whether or not those events may or may not happen. And some people... Are we literally not even allowed to talk about the concept? We could talk about the over-under on the duration of the anthem, if this is what you're talking about. I think it officially wound up being 0.01 of a second. On the under, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So so there must have been debate over when the stopwatch, Mm -hmm. start-stop kind of thing. Uh, It's from the start of the first word to the end of the last word. As, as same, soon as he starts singing. Do they use the same technology for the 40-yard dash? It's lasers. Than, rather than just having a Gil Brandt standing there with a stopwatch. <laughs> so he's sealing his lip with a laser, and as soon as the laser parts, that's it. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I thought it was perfectly passable. What about the halftime show? I was, what was I our was, thoughts? I was terrified for what appeared to be a visibly pregnant woman being stuck up on a platform um, 200 feet up in the air in front of a, an audience of hundreds of millions. The first thing that popped up, and this is not, I don't want to be macabre or 
uh, too sensationalist, but the first thing that popped into my head when I saw her up there was Owen Hart. And I think they're taking a massive risk putting her on a platform. And it, it, she, it she was attached though, because I remember first of like when she came out, I was like, oh, okay, she's going to go up on a platform here. Yeah, but, but she it, was attached by a solitary piece of. Yeah, it looked it looked like somebody had, had, had attached a tapeworm to her back. That was the level of strength and resilience that appeared. And it wasn't as if, like, I mean, the, the platforms are flying all over the place. I'm, I'm glad that she wasn't, she didn't tumble, put it that way. But for the first five minutes, I was worried for her. Um, and the fact that I didn't find the performance offensive, uh, I didn't take to any media outlet to complain. So it must have been a good show. Obviously, 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 we don't have our pop culture expert, Mr. Paul Mitchell, to discuss <laughs> the ins and outs. What did you think of it, Cameron? So I, my opinion of the halftime show was the same. So in the moment, and I have to say in the moment, because I, I did go, is she pregnant? Maybe not. Maybe maybe not, because I've not if seen her since she... No, she is. She is pregnant. But at the time, you never, you never like to assume she's just had a child, and therefore you didn't want to assume anything. Now, matter of fact, knowing that she was pregnant, I, I, the, in the moment, I was like, it's a bit lackluster for Rihanna. It's a bit, given even that she just had a kid, I thought it might have been a bit more high octane, a bit more energy to it. Fine. So take that out of the context because there's a reason that it wasn't more high octane, high energy. I think that the platform thing was different. It's pretty cool. But not, but, but, eh, it didn't really. So if I compare it to the year before, and it's not fair to compare, I get it. But it's nowhere near the level. The, there was no Calvin Harris for me for a start, which I was gutted. I thought, what a great opportunity to get Calvin Harris out there. There was no guests at all. It was Rihanna came out herself with some white dancers and nothing uh, changed. The, the races got nothing to white do with this camera. jacket no. wearing. They were wearing white jackets, white clothes. <laughs> I just, the playlist had some of her bangers and some of the songs whoa, whoa, in there. Whoa. No, sorry. There what, was missing what, songs. So, or, or, there was, but here's the takeaway I had from that. She has so many absolute bangers. What what did she play that wasn't a banger? A so I I don't like the the first song. I didn't I don't like "Bitch Better Have My Money." I don't think it's a strong song to start with. I thought I it was a bit think like "Bitch Better Have My Money" is a strong song. I don't think it's strong to start with. I thought the just, mix just order wasn't read, strong. Read I thought the way through, they blended. Read me she, through the read me through the title again. Is, and is tell she me just ripped off ODB. That was his song, surely. "Bitch Better Have My Money." Yeah. Yeah, that's an ODB thing she's ripped off. It also did lead to my favourite, well, it didn't lead to, but in the run-up to it, on a website talking about bets that you could place on some of these things, uh, the headline was, bets, better have my money, or better take my money. Um, Tremendous headline. Can, can I just say, I think I might actually have insight into the act for the next Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys have been kind of taking heed of the popular culture press releases at the moment, but S Club 7 are you reuniting? <laughs> They're going back on tour. Now, if you're ever it. going to get one, S Club 7 would have been perfect for Super Bowl 57. So, you know, I think that's an opportunity missed, personally. Um, get them out to the desert and I'll stop there. But I, I just the, think the, that the, the, the biggest yeah. the biggest musical artist in the world, it has to be somebody from India or China, surely. There must be or in the top ten artists. 
And I, I would love to see them actually go out with America and bring in a foreign artist to enhance the image of the NFL abroad, but also to completely confound all the hillbillies and red cap wearers in America by having somebody singing in Hindi. I think that would be sensational. Um, I'm not sure that that'll be what we see next year. Um, I, I must be right. There must be somebody in the top 10 recording artists that's not from a kind of American or British background. There must be somebody from a that sings predominantly in another language. And what, what greater way to market into China or... Rihanna, uh, not Rihanna. Um, Shakira. I mean, we just had Rih- Shakira a few years Rih- ago. Rihanna's from the Bahamas as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so the, but still primor- primarily kind of so American. Americas. Yeah. Shakira. Yeah, but her, she's singing in English for our, our big song. She, she does for us, but she predominantly sings in Spanish, I think. Most of her stuff's in Spanish, I'm pretty certain. It needs to be Metallica next year. It'll be Taylor Swift after all the God, stuff this so. year. No, it'll be country. Yeah. It'll be country. They've not had country in a while. Or they, oh, it'll be awesome. In- no, they need to go back to that girl with the hula hoops from the 1950s. Did you see the old pictures <laughs> of just the girl with the hula hoops? That was just amazing. It's going to be in Vegas. Let's be honest. It's going to be big Showtime stuff. It's going to be razzmatazz. And who's 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 um who's in residence? Adele at the moment. Adele. Adele. I could see Adele. I could see Mariah. I could see them bringing out Mariah. What about Mariah and Adele? Swiss Canadian lady. Uh, Celine Dion. Yeah. I mean, no, she's got. She's got like that. We're really going off in a tangent. But she's got like health issues. I don't think I don't know if she'll sing again. Oh, really? I oh, was yeah, not aware of something. that. Um, what about one of those kind of random magic acts? I've never had a magic act as halftime show. Uh, I think Usher has some kind of no, it might just be a gig actually. Um, I, I'm not sure Usher's big enough to do the Super Bowl these days. Uh, the Jonas Brothers have a residency, Carrie Underwood. Has she ever done oh, a halftime show? Barry Underwood would be a good shout because it's country and yeah, I could see that. Anyway, let's let's move past this because this is not enjoyable to listen to for us. Manolo. Because we're running out of time for Manolo. No, we've run out of time for Manolo. <laughs> could it be magic? Um anyway. So that's two take that references you've made in this <laughs> this segment. You've literally said take that, and then you've now had could it be magic? I'll try and squeeze some more in. Um, uh, Cameron, you're too, Cameron, you're too predictable. Everything changes but you. Gordon's Googling, take that. Pray <laughs> that we move on from this segment because there's something else we need to talk about. Uh, I hope any other news items then that are hitting the NFL at the moment that we need to talk about. We haven't spoken since the end of season awards were given and Geno Smith got comeback player of the year. Yes. He came Which back from not being good. Came back from just being a bit shit. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's it's what that award is. I there's two hundreds of players should be winning that every year on that basis. No, lots of players have like bang average seasons and then come back and are great. Not Barkley. that level. Barkley. 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 Could, Bark, Barkley came back. It doesn't matter how many times <laughs> you say Barkley. <laughs> That's it, like a dog. <laughs> the only impressive thing about you saying Barkley eight times in a row is somehow, somehow you're pronouncing his name correct every single time. Can I just uh, say, I've just realised this, but Gordon actually looks very handsome without his glasses on. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's because I was playing because I was playing seven aside tonight. So I you know, don't like to wear glasses during that because I'll break them. Uh, I wanted to talk about two 
offensive. Cameron, can you perhaps. can you take a picture of Gordon looking handsome and post it so people can <laughs> no. see that I'm not lying? It does it does look handsome. I'm not taking the Mickey. Uh, I want to talk about two offensive coordinator hirings. Okay. Uh, the first is the Ravens hired Todd Munkin, who was the Georgia offensive coordinator, who's done Likes very well with tight ends. Well, no. So this is this is a bit of a misconception. Oh. When he was with the Browns and when he was with the Buccaneers, they actually didn't throw to tight ends much. But when he went to Georgia and he had Brock Bowers, who's will be like an old. He'll be like a first-round pick when he comes into the NFL. They threw to tight ends a lot. But with the Ravens' current roster, they would throw to Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely a lot. Um, so I think that's a good... It's Of all the options available to the Ravens, I think it's the one that excites me the most. Um, and then the other one, it's just like a really cool uh, personal one for me. The Texans hired Bobby Sloak as their offensive coordinator. And I worked with Bobby about five years ago. Um, at PFF, he was a was he at Tesco's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a meteoric rise. Uh, Bobby was an analyst at PFF. Now he'd been in the NFL first, so it's not like uh, he started at PFF and moved into the NFL. He was a coach. He came to PFF and was there for I want to say three years, but I could be wrong. Um, really, really smart guy. Like I, I could message him when we were grading games and just like ask his advice on how to grade certain things, all that stuff. Um, learned a lot about football from him, but he's also genuinely just one of the nicest people I've met as well. So the Texans, I, I know, I think we've got a couple of Texans fans that listen. Um, one of the genuinely nicest people. So uh, that was, that was really quite nice to see him getting a, getting an opportunity. And hopefully this means that a few years from now he might be, Getting head coaching offers. Yeah, I'm gutted that the Niners have lost another good person out the the coaching room. Ryan's poached him. Yep. Don't blame. I'm not surprised. That's what happens, right? And then you get new people in, and you bring them up, and you bring them on. Shanahan seems to be pretty good at getting decent coaches. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a good coach. That's why the the Texans the, the Texans could get good a lot quicker than people expect. I really, really like the D'Amico Ryan's hire. I, I just think people in that city are going to buy in entirely because he played there. Um, and they have two picks early in the draft this year. They'll get a quarterback at two probably um, and then get another player at 13. They can they can get better in a hurry. Um, and the AFC South, depending on how good the Jaguars actually wind up being, it's still not that good. The Colts are really not set up for a ton of success yet unless they get quarterback right this year. And the Titans are definitely on the downslope just now. What about Eric Bieniemy? Why is he looking to get out of Kansas City, do we think? So where I think there are parallels here is uh, when the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2000, Marvin Lewis was their defensive coordinator and the Ravens allowed a uh, NFL record low number of points that season. And Marvin Lewis didn't really get any head coaching opportunities. The following year, um, they went out in the playoffs and again, he didn't get any head coaching opportunities. So what he did was he took the Washington defensive coordinator job. So a sideways move Um and going and performing well at another team in a separate situation seemed to 
cause him to get more interest and he got the Bengals job. So I think there's probably part of him thinks I'm probably being unfairly uh, judged because I have Andy Reid above me and Patrick Mahomes below me. It didn't seem to limit the opportunities for Patriot uh, coordinators, though, when Belichick was above and Brady was below. No, and they were generally all terrible. They were all shite, yeah. So, yeah. There is is as well, I'm not going to speak to this because I don't know the exact circumstances, but I do remember reading that there were some incidents when he was at Colorado um, as either a coordinator or a head coach. And people think that's impacting it. I also think it would be ignorant to ignore the fact that non-white coaches generally have to clear a few extra hurdles than white coaches. Um, and I think things are changing, but probably not fast enough in the NFL. Um, and BNME is just the latest of a group of guys who um, have unfortunately been impacted by that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I hope he gets the opportunity. I think he's definitely done enough. And if it, we all know we've all reached that time in our life where you are stuck in a job, and sometimes you do need to go sideways to get that next level up. Um, it's not necessarily the path you would choose, but sometimes it's the best route, right? So it'll be interesting to see. You know, I guess going into Washington, if that's where he lands, it's an opportunity to go and work probably with a a, a rookie quarterback, Sam Howell. It seems to be this is what they're saying is the man to lead that team. So he can go in there uh, and do a bit of a rebuild. They certainly can't go backwards much. There's talent in that team. Um, I guess there's other question marks about the the commanders overall, but. Mm-mm. Anyway, wish we wish them all the best, nonetheless. Um, eh, again, any other news items that's sticking out that we want to cover at the moment? We're obviously from here. You know, we the podcast will sort of move back to once every two weeks um, for people that listen to this on a regular basis. We still have whiskey to give away with Lachlan. So keep listening because we'll have competitions on Twitter. We'll have competitions when we do do the podcast right up to and including the draft. You could still buy bottles as well, which is amazing. They are very limited. So while there are some still available to buy and to win, there isn't many. So get on top of that one if you want to do so. Uh, the, the breaking news, the Giants have signed uh, Isaiah Hodgkins. Um, oh, nice. Hodgins. So he's been signed. Um who was set to become an exclusive rights free agent. So that's Ian Rappaport has just broken that in the last 55 minutes. Good that he's got that because he played brilliantly at the end of the season. Yep, he deserves that, so that's good. But yeah, there you go. That's probably the main things that we wanted to talk about. That was our Super Bowl review. But I think that's everything for episode 224. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this. The the only thing, Cameron, is homework for everyone, remember? All our listeners, we have to propel Gavin Newland's to the top of the SMP leader race. Guaranteed he'll bring NFL to Scotland. That will be his platform to the, the, the nation upon election. I'm sure of it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this in every episode of Stromash. Please keep sharing your thoughts on how we can improve this podcast for you. What do you want to hear us talk about? We love the talking points. I think we covered most of the ones that were given to us here. Keep them coming. But uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time, I reckon. As we look ahead to free agency, the draft, a long summer of silence, we won't be talking about the XFL because I think I'm the only one that's got half an interest and you can't really see it in the UK, which is a bit pish. But until next time, thanks for listening. 
Bye for now.